Hi there, it's Nick here. Thanks so much for your continued support of the Nick Luck Daily Podcast. Wherever you consume your podcast, it is great to have you with us. I would alert you again to the racing app which is your one-stop shop and the easiest place now to download the show each and every morning as soon as it's ready. Many of you are doing so already, and that's not just because you can get access to all 880 episodes of this show, and very easily as well, but you can also watch live races. You can watch all the replays, and you can stream in the card with an active Fitstairs account. So do download it now, uh, the racing app. It's your one-stop shop and you will be able to catch up on all the previous episodes of your favourite daily racing podcast. You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentaries Global Rankings. Good morning, welcome to the show. Wednesday, January the 10th, and a gorgeous morning here after the rain, wind, snow we've had of late. Bright sunshine, yes, it's cold, but it's bracing. What's been happening today so far? Well, we've just had a sponsorship announcement from Ascot that Bet MGM UK would now be supporting the Clarence House Chase. We've had confirmation from NACE that Firefox and Il Atlantique would take up their intended clash in the Lawler's Novices Hurdle, which has been rerouted to Friday. Seven have been declared for that, and you can go free to NACE as well. We'll be hearing later in the programme from Nigel Twiston-Davis, who's enjoying his best strike rate since 1992, and he saddles three fancy runners at Warwick on the weekend. A day before that, Henrietta Knight, after a hiatus of over a decade, returns to the training ranks and she tells me a little bit about why and what her personal goals and aspirations are plus i'll be hearing from a man who will not be beaten no matter what the weather and no matter what injury has befallen him victor thompson nearly 81 years old trains in the very northeast corner of england in northumberland has held a license since 1971 uh, broke his leg in a compound fracture just a few weeks ago, and he's back riding out five lots. And that is well worth listening to. What else is happening this morning? Well, as we speak, the British Horse Racing Author- Authority disciplinary panel uh, is hearing the case of Luke McJanet, the former uh, trainer who was charged with passing information for award in June 2020 at Leicester. And a case that was recently overturned, that of Zane Knights, trained by Lucy Wadham and ridden in said race by Gavin Sheehan. He had his ban overturned as well, a uh, running and riding inquiry. Uh, that horse, who didn't get uh, taken away from the race course, returned at Market Raisin and won yesterday. Who has not been on the race course recently? Well, Sean Bowen and Nico de Boyneville, two very high-profile jumps jockeys. Sean Bowen leading the table. Um, and we're going to hear from him first and then get an update on De Boyneville. This is what Sean Byrne told me this morning about uh, what had happened to him and what his prognosis might be. Yeah, so I, I damaged a few ligaments in my knee. Um, I think it was sort of the kick I had from behind because the, the fall was sort of a normal standard fall, um, and then two horses come from behind, and I got mangled in their legs. So um, whatever way I twisted my knee, it wasn't in the right direction anyway. So... Uh, yeah, no, recovery's going well, so hopefully it won't be too long. So you're just in, in rehab every day in Oaksy House. 
What are they telling you about how quickly you are likely to be back in the saddle? Yeah, look. To start with, it it didn't it didn't sound it didn't sound good, but they're all sort of happy with how how the recovery's gone and and, and how quick um, everything's coming along. So um, I'm hoping now I can get a scan in, in sort of two weeks' time and hoping to be back after that. So uh, it all sort of depends on how the scans go. But if 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 all being well, um, I'll get scans in a couple of weeks and then and then come back after that. All right, that was, well, I was going to say champion jockey-elect Sean Bowen. David Yates from the Daily Mirror. There's a bit more water to flow under the bridge than perhaps we thought here, Dave. Yes, there is. Um, the injury to Sean Bowen was uh, suffered aboard Farron Glory at Aintree on Boxing Day. Remember, the horse came down at the second last of the, the Formby hurdle, uh, a.k.a. the Tolworth being run at Aintree at the first uh, for the first time. Now, at that time... He had a lead, Sean Bowen, of 121 versus 90 over Harry Cobden. That's been narrowed very slightly uh, to 121 versus 94 now. Um, we know that this is the, the time of the year for a fortnight when uh, Paul Nichols' stable is, is quieter, perhaps, than... Uh, in the the real meat of the, the jump season when he does his vaccinations. And so... It's uh, he's probably quite pleased, I would think, Sean Bowen, to to have that advantage whittled down by just four. Uh, just looking at the the betting on the jockeys championship, he's still a three to one on shot. Sean Bowen, Harry Cobden is uh, seven to four. Brian Hughes twenty fives and Sam Twist and Davis sixty sixes. So I think it's fair to say that it's not a done deal. Although he's probably. I would think happy at the relative um, lack of winners that Harry Cobden's had over the the past couple of weeks, because you would think that a, a, a four strong return since then is is below expectations. But as you say, not a done deal as yet. Uh, Nico de Boinville has just texted me as regards his progress. He broke a collarbone uh, in the final days of uh, of twenty twenty three. He says, I'm improving, thank you. What you really want to know is, am I going to make next weekend? Because next weekend is the clash between John Bon and El Fabiolo. And he says, I'm still unsure. It's going to take a bit of work. Yeah, that's uh, the fall was at Doncaster a week last Friday, wasn't it? Um, uh, yeah, well, that's an update on what I had from Nico, which was over the weekend. He said, nothing to report as yet. It's only eight days on. Going to take a lot of work. So it's going to be touch and go, I think, is is what you'd infer from that. And and Sean Bowen's knee ligament injury, just a very, very awkward one to to get right. And he's certainly not going to be anywhere near a race course for two weeks as of today. So we wish them both very well. A strong constitution is needed in this sport for sure. Uh, and of course, it will be Constitution Hill the following week, possibly for Nico de Boinville. Or possibly not. Nicky Henderson has been speaking to Robbie Stelling, a sports correspondent for Newbury Today, and he has effectively said exactly what he said on this podcast, maybe just upgraded it half a notch. I uh, spoke to Nicky on New Year's Day. You remember he wasn't feeling very well, but he was in good form. And he said uh, he was humming and hawing really about Constitution Hill for the inter for the international hurdle at the end of uh, January on Trials Day. And he said to to Robbie Stelling yesterday, I have my reservations about whether I need to run him or not. If I don't feel I really need to run him, then I probably won't, which of course has prompted the usual 
um, highly polarizing social media storm, Dave. I don't think we're going to get any more detail from Seven Barrows until such time as a decision is made one way or the other. No, I don't. Uh, just to, to quote um, Nikki Henderson in, in uh, Newbury today, I, I've certainly reservations about it, the Unibet International. He's gone from the Christmas hurdle to the champion hurdle without a race. And he did the same before the year before with the Supreme. I'm not desperate, really. I'll know I'll be accused of being a wimp, but there are reasons behind my thinking. I'm doing it for the best. I'm not doing it for my own amusement. I'd like to run him if it makes perfect sense, but I'm not convinced it does. So, yeah, as you say, that uh, that triggers uh, the usual outpouring on uh, Twitter, formerly known as X, and the rest of social media. And... I think it's X, formerly known as Twitter, but whatever. I'm sorry, did I do that the other way? I'm, I apologise. Um, of course, all of us want to see Constitution Hill as many times as, as we reasonably can during a season. It's disappointing this year that, of course, we didn't see him at Newcastle because that was off, and then we didn't see him at Sandown a week later because of uh, the, the ground and the, the, um, the relatively short space of time. Uh, between the Tingle Creek cards and the Christmas hurdle at Kempton on Boxing Day. I, I think we would probably imagine we'd see him three or four times in a season. And, of course, it's disappointing. But, uh, again, I mean, seeing it from the other side of the fence, the the relationship between Nicky Henderson and the, and the discussions they have, um, him and Michael Buckley, over... Uh, what to do with the horse? That I think there are reservations about running the the um about the horse on the on the new course. Is that correct? Is that one of the one of the issues that I, I think he's got in his mind? Either way, that's not something I I could I could intuit really. Right, um, but that might be the case. It might be that he feels he needs more time between his races. I do, I sim I simply have no clue. Yeah. Um, although he he is a creature of habit. Um, every single one of the champion hurdle winners from Seven Barrows did run between. Uh, Christmas and Cheltenham until Epatant, but she never ran between Christmas and, and and Cheltenham. And perhaps given the fact that Constitution Hill hasn't in his two previous seasons run between this period of the year and Cheltenham, maybe it's maybe it's why Breaker tried and tested formula. Maybe it's he takes a bit longer to get over his races than perhaps the ease of his races suggests. Uh, maybe it's the doubt about whether the jockey will be fit to ride him. And maybe it's a doubt about what the ground will be like at the back end of the month uh, maybe it's a combination of all the above and that's that yeah it, it's definitely the case that the horse um takes more out of himself than than we would imagine by watching him I, I i know that for a fact um but yeah it's a it's probably a combination of all those factors it's frustrating but you know i mean the the, the difficulty with this is that ultimately it's his connections choice and and Henderson knows the horse better than we do so I, I don't know that that's as that's as as far as I as I feel I need to get into it well over the next few minutes you're going to have something confirmed to you that you might have thought you knew already and that is that once this sport gets into somebody's soul it is very hard to expunge um, that is certainly the case with Victor Thompson from whom you're going to hear in a moment it is also the case with the more well-known and more well-publicised, Henrietta Knight, who is returning to the training ranks after over a decade. You'll remember Henrietta trained the triple gold cup winner Best Mate, the King George and Queen Mother Champion Chase winner Edredon Bleu, 
and a whole slew of high-class horses toward the end of the 90s and beginning of the noughties. Memorably, she did so in tandem with her late husband, the legendary champion jockey Terry Biddlecombe. And she's back, and she's back with Brendan Powell, uh, assistant and veteran of many campaigns himself uh, at her side. So I asked her how she was feeling ahead of her return to the track with two runners at Wincanton on Friday. Um, I'm excited, Nick. Um, it's going to be um, quite, a, quite, a, quite a shock to the system to be out again after 11 years. Probably forgotten how to do anything. Um, but I'm looking forward to it. There'll probably be quite a few things that take me surprise, my surprise. I think a few things have changed. We don't declare the horses on the race course anymore, which is different. Um, so I'll have to learn about all these new things. But I have Brendan Powell beside me, and he's absolutely right-handed. I mean, spot-on um, right-hand man, and uh, he knows all the modern things that go on. So I'll be well. I'll be well. I'll be well educated. I mean, there is an awful lot of experience between you and 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 Brendan Powell. Um, for those who who aren't familiar, Brendan Powell Senior was a Grand National winning jockey and trained hundreds of winners as well under under his own name. Give me an indication as to how the dynamic works, Hen. How do you how do you complement one another? Um, well, we we complement each other very well because Brendan does a lot of the training now, and um, he goes out with the horses. Then I do a lot of the work in with the office and with the owners and with the planning. Um, he's learning all about my my gallops and the, what goes on around here. But of course, he knows Lambourne very well, and we also take the horses over to Lambourne a bit. And um, no, it's it's working very well, thank you. Um, age doesn't come into it, as far as I'm concerned, because I feel as though I'm in my sixties, not in my seventies, and I don't think about I don't think about age. Look at the people who've done so much um, in their careers when they're older, um, and they still keep going. I mean, take Mick Easterby, he's in his 90s, and look at him. Mm. Um, No, I'm I'm not worried about age. I think it's how you feel and your your attitude to life. And I'm lucky to be healthy. I have a huge amount of energy and enthusiasm and a fantastic team behind me. And if you've got all of that, well, then you've, you've got a big bonus. And and the one thing, Hen, that struck me about you is that you're never someone who's too much of a nostalgist. You know, you're not one of these. Oh, it was all better in my day. When we spoke about the book that you wrote about going around all the stables, you were very much well. You know, I've learnt this from here. This is very interesting. Or oh, can we do that differently? Can we do that better? Always trying to sort of get a little bit of an edge. Have you managed to apply that to anything that you're doing now? Have you thought, oh, well, Willie Mullins is doing something here, or Henderson's doing something there, or Gordon Elliott's doing something there that I could incorporate? Well, I think about it, and I think um, maybe certain aspects of those yards I would like to plant into Lockinge, where I train. But as I said to you before, you know, if you've got a place and it's already established, there's not many changes you can do if it's been quite successful in the past. And every yard that I went to in England and Ireland and Scotland um, was different. And there are so many different ways to train a racehorse and so many different methods and 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 training grounds and facilities um i think you just have to cut your coat according to your cloth and uh, we're quite lucky to got what we've got here and on we go okay and what about the runners at wincans and zeta bite and and bally walter are either of them likely to to provide you with a winner on the on the first day 
I think that would be a miracle. Um, they're two nice horses. Um, that the handicap's quite a competitive race. Um, Bally Walter stays forever, but he's um, quite slow. Um, maybe I would probably do as well as him in a pair of gumboots, but anyway. Um, um, he, but he's, the ground is probably not soft enough for him now because we've had a drying week. But anyway, I'm dying to get him out. He belongs to my, ne- my niece, mm-hmm. who's my sister's daughter, who I adored, and she was a big influence when I trained. And it's a bit of a nostalgic outing as far as he's concerned. So we just want to get out there and get the feel of it and and see where we're going. I'm not expecting anything tremendous. I just hope they come back sound and everybody's happy and we have an enjoyable day. Henrietta Knight, for whom the word indefatigable could have been invented, Um, but then again it might have previously been because a little her elder is Victor Thompson, who will turn 81 a week from now, began training in 1971 at Cheltenham, still training, most of his own horses, and seven weeks ago he required surgery for compound fractures to his leg, and yesterday he rode out five lots. And in a part of the country where you'd need to be pretty tough to be doing that as well, um, because the elements there are not as kind as they are for us soft southerners. Uh, Victor Thompson, um, I'm very pleased that the Northern Area Point to Point social media feed pointed me in your direction um how are you how are you feeling well you get a bit sore it's hard to get on a bit but i'm, I'm i've got the knack of getting on and, I, and I, when i broke my leg i had to put them on the walk i thought well they'll be on the walk at seven weeks um and then i, I found a young lad called karen um what's the character was it Kieran O'Shea. Kieran O'Shea, he works for Dobbin. And um, he's the only one, one of my friends asked him um, if he fancied helping. So he he started to come, he's been coming for two weeks now. He's, he's um, He writes for, for Dobbin and uh, he's a nice young lad. So he come to help us. So he was doing every other, like trying to do three or four days, splitting them to like to get going again. And then when it was, when my seven weeks was, Getting there, I thought, well, I've had to make an effort here. So I started to write, I started one, then I got on two, because I was, I was seven weeks on the Monday, and then before the end of the week, I was on four, and, I, and I'm on five now, and I'm hoping to five, really, I'm hoping maybe it's going to start six probably tomorrow. Um, I'm just trying to break myself in without getting done in on the beach with all the dogs, because my fields are up to the neck in water, and so I'm having to use the beach which I don't particularly like. It's all right, but I didn't want dropped to my leg heels a bit better. Yeah. <laughs> and when you go along the beach, my beach, the beach is two, it's a mile there and back, you see. And when you go along, you know, when you go along the beach and you get the, the first mile and you turn, you don't know whether to cry or laugh because the pain's that dirty sore. The tears are running down your eyes and you better get back along there again <laughs> and then go and switch horses as quick as you can and get back out again. <laughs> So I had did five, and I sat around and thought, I'm going to have a cup of tea, I need a cup of tea, and then the lad doesn't come like past 12. So I, I was sitting on the seat, and somebody says, mate, well, go and get in the car, we were, I was soaking the skin, and I says, I can only get off this seat, man, I'm not going to. No, I had a cup of tea, and I'm ready to go again. But I'm, I'm pleased I've got a meeting, I've got a business meeting between now and 12 o'clock, and comes in, what are we out again? 
But I'm, you know, I, I've sort of held me up because I just started to run my horses. I had a few little places and they were just coming on. But I was pleased this lad come and give a bit hand because it gives you a bit heart when you've got somebody helping you a little bit. You know what I mean? And uh, so we're getting on all right. And as I say, I keep stepping them up and see if I can get some ready for the pointer point. I've got two pointer pointers made and, and I've got me jumpers, which I'm hoping to get them going. And then the young lad had helped us. I was that pleased with him. I watched him ride a couple of times. And I says, he never asked for any rides when he came. I said, I'll give him my first two runners under rules. And I'm going to give them always and ever. And I'm going to give them excellence. And they're pretty good horses. And I said to them, I was very bold. I said, you'll get your first man of the season for me, Kieran. <laughs> so it made him laugh anyway. So I think that'd be brilliant. And he's um, a nice young lad. I like nice people. Do you know what I mean? I think that's I think that's great that, that you're going to give him his, his first ride. And, and always, always and ever is probably your best horse, isn't she? Or the one that's likeliest to give you a winner soonest. She ran a blind a few, or first run for you. They both win together. My other one should have won it air, but the, the lad gave it a bad ride. I think he thought, because it was rated at 100 and it was bottom weight, I was little less. It was still in the handicap and I had him bang on and I told him to jump it off at the front end and just said second, third. He jumped it off at the back and if you watch the race, he ran round the back. I think he was looking to pull it up all the time. And then the horse the horse was jumping up one or two in every fence and then he would drag him back a bit. And then uh, and then then after that what happened when we got the last at the back side, he jumped past about three in the air and all of a sudden the lad found he was sitting about third. And I said to him, whatever you do, what he got on the horse, because you expect him to do to tell. I says, whatever you do, be sitting really handy going up for home. And don't take it up, you jump the last day, win this. And I think he thought, I'm stupid, you know? Because they think they all think you're stupid nowadays because you're older and they think you've got a clue. And um, so anyway, he took it up. He took it up at the first in the home straight. And he let out the last, and he got beaten the fourth. It was, it was on the line when the other one just passed them. So I said to them, uh, I didn't want to row. I says, what do you think then? Oh, I said, I made one mistake. I says, one mistake. Well, tell us your mistake and I'll tell you how many you really made. He says, well, I should have waited the last. I got excited and I took it up at the first New York State. I says, what did I tell you today? I says, not to take it up. Jump the last. I know, I know. I says, and another thing, you're supposed to jump off at the front end, not the back end. So I thought, well, there you are. So, so I thought my horse was pretty well. So between the two of them, I'm hoping the lad, I would really like, because this lad's really helped me, I would love to get him with us, because he hasn't, he hasn't had the other thing. Uh, he's a good little rider, but he's come to help me when I needed help. And, and, and what a, what a, I cannot wait to see always and, and ever and an excellence winning for Kieran O'Shea for Victor Thompson on the same day. Wouldn't wouldn't that be quite something? It that would be absolutely a fairy tale start for the young lad because he's a very pleasant young lad and I'm quite grateful to him because he's he's the only one <laughs> offered to help me a little bit <laughs> and I'm really pleased with him. And but he's a good rider and and I I, I watched him ride. Some of these meetings where he rode, and I thought, uh, you'll do me, lad. Yeah, um, he put the horses where I would want them, jumped off handy, sat second, third. I can't stand these ones jumping off, tailed off. They're never going to get there, and you've just maybe left them in the box. And, and uh, riding five lots um, along the beach, as you were saying, at, at Newton-on-Sea, which is... 
uh, right in the northeast corner of of Northumberland in in is, yeah. in minus temperatures. That's gonna that's gonna make you know you've had a workout, isn't it? Oh yeah, I'm sweating like a pig. I had to get chins when I come in. The sweat was running out of us. Oh, dear, I mean, I was warm, like, but um, oh, I'm, I'm all right now. I've, I've come back together again now. I've had a cup of tea, man. Tea's wonderful. Well, the the amazing powers of a of a cup of tea. Um, but I, I think your your spirit and your um and your and your zest for life, Victor, is what's is what's keeping this this show on the road and is what's mended this leg so quickly. Yeah, well, I think so. Yeah, and and I you might not believe this, but I hadn't been dropped. I didn't get dropped. I got kicked by another horse, but I hurt my shoulder. It was I fell out the plum tree. <laughs> <laughs> that was my first foul in the wild. In a few years, I fell with the plum tree. The lad I fell to bits and I come down with the plums. <laughs> <laughs> so I just got out of that when I got my kick. <laughs> oh my word! Oh well, you're you're still you're still smiling through it all. And from 1971 to 2024, I, I think you've you've given an awful lot to an awful lot of people and horses. I, listen, I hope this um I hope this rehab continues in the in the right way. You give this lad a couple of winners, and it's lovely to talk to you and great to hear you in such good form. Oh, that's brilliant! Not a problem. Thank you very much for ringing. Thank Not a bit. You. Thanks, Victor. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye yeah. now. Bye bye now. Bye. What can you say? Victor Thompson there, 81 years old, and before that, Henrietta Knight, 77 years old. Um, not that either of them would ever care to be defined by those numbers, David Yates. I mean, if we're talking about a strong constitution required, look right there. Victor Thompson, what a man. What a man indeed. N- nearly 81. I mean, it, um, it, puts, it puts our own sort of physical travails into a, a very sharp perspective, this, doesn't it? What a, what a um, life-affirming and life-enriching interview that was to listen to a guy who's uh, weeks on from suffering compound fractures and is now riding out multiple times. Um, yeah, a, a, an absolutely remarkable uh, man, Victor Thompson. And certainly in terms of on the track the return of henrietta knight is also a, a really interesting story and i'm sure that the i echo the sentiments of of everyone in jump racing when i say i hope this goes really well she was always a a pleasure to deal with she was sometimes quite unguarded in what she said deliberately so it's it's perhaps um, wishing too much for her to revisit the the real glory days, but I I hope that she's a, a a regular visitor to the winner's enclosure, and I'm sure that she will be. Well, in an episode which has seemed to confirm that the length of a high profile horse's career is in inverse proportion to that of the highest profile humans in the game, I thought it best to post a call to Nigel Twiston Davis because he looks as though he might once again dominate a big Saturday in the UK this time at Warwick where he's got his very exciting six-year-old novice chaser Broadway boy out. Good boy Bobby, who's been a stalwart for the yard and his favourite for the veterans chase, rescheduled from Sandown last weekend. And Beauport, often considered a potential national contender uh, and maybe hasn't quite reached the heights expected, even though he ran very well last time and is proven in very deep ground. And he runs in the 1983 Grand National winning colours of uh, the Boroughs, uh, those Corbiere colours. So Nigel Swiss and Davis, 
uh, I caught up with a little earlier on today and I began by asking him what was happening differently at Grange Farm this season with its best strike rate, 22%, since the 1992-3 season and as many winners to date already as for the whole of last season. <laughs> All right. I realised when I woke up this morning I hadn't spent nearly enough time talking to Nigel Twist and Davis this season. And the reason I, it occurred to me was because I was looking through the season statistics and uh, you know, I should have realised this already, but he's already on 55 winners, which is as many as he got for the whole of last season, um, on course for a bumper total. And it's the best strike rate for the Twist and Davis yard since 1993, would you believe it? 22% at the moment. Um, so the great man joins me now ahead of what could be a very profitable weekend at Warwick. So every time you go through a spell like this, people always ask you, why are you doing anything different? Which I'm sure the answer is not really. But has anything meaningfully changed that has, has led to better results or a really consistent series of results, Nigel? You can't go without horses. If you've got better horses, you get more wins. So that's as simple as that. You know, that the young horses, you know, we've managed to find the, the, the right races. Um, I keep seeing uh, Willie, your son, popping up all over the TV, um, doing, a, doing, doing quite a bit. Is, are you more of a partnership than you were? Has the dynamic changed at all? Um, yeah, you know he, he, you know, he works with us. He's sort of assistant here and everything else. So, you know, we work together. Who have you got a, a hunch for this weekend? Oh, well, definitely um, Broadway Boy, you know, he, he, if it was a sort of, he, he's well in really at the weights, um, um, so he should, uh, and our old friend, um, um, good boy Bobby. Mm. All these are soft ground horses, but you know, if it's desperately tacky, sometimes there's only one horse in the whole race that can go in it, isn't there? Well, fortunately, Nigel was sitting in his office alongside his long-time uh, assistant Carl Llewellyn and I sought Carl's counsel as well as to whether uh, Broadway Boy was the horse he was most looking forward to seeing at the weekend. Obviously you're hoping he is. Um, he's always been nice at home and he's proven it on the course but you know he's still a young horse so we're hoping hoping he'll keep improving for a bit. Okay. You know, obviously he'll need to to, to go, go even higher. Well he, he is very good looking. He's very well made. Um, he, he does catch the eye so I think he was he was a good buy. Um, you know, he, he is striking when you see him. He's, he does stand out. Um, and um, no, he, he he didn't straight away. Um, he just did his work nicely, and then he's kept improving. And um, he obviously he's got a great attitude, um, which is a massive help, isn't it? He's you know he's got a big heart and, and tries very hard. So um, that, that's a that's a massive help. I'd never be I'd never be that confident, but he'll. He'll go there with every chance, you know. Can good boy Bobby be as effective at a track like Warwick as he is, say, round Sandown, or maybe even somewhere more galloping? No, I wouldn't have thought so. Um, he's run well on all sorts of tracks, and and you know his jumping's normally very good. And the five quick fences down the back should really suit him because he puts horses under pressure with his jumping um, most of the time. So um, no, no reason why it shouldn't suit him um, as as like any other pace, really. And the other big chance on on um, Saturday at Warwick is Beauport in the in the classic chase. I thought if there was a race devised for him, it, it, it could just be this one. Uh, and the ground is going to be lovely and soft as well. It, it, has he got more to offer, do you think? Well, we're, we're hoping so. Um, 
you know, everything was right for him last time I sat down and he got beat. Um, but beat by a horse who's got some very good form on, on similar conditions. Um, we're hoping he's got more to offer. Yeah, it's the first time. It'll probably be gluey ground on Saturday, I'd have thought. It's been, obviously been very heavy and now it's dried out with frost for weeks. So it'll be gluey. So um, that can um, sometimes have different results. A lot of, quite a few heavy ground horses or wet ground horses don't like the gluey ground. So we have to, that's another, um, we don't know about that one. All right, that was Nigel Twiston-Davis. David Yates is still with me. What a season Nigel Twiston-Davis is having. We've got another couple of bits of news to tidy up. I mentioned at the top of the show, NASA rescheduling Friday their Grade 1 Lawless Novices Hurdle, Firefox and Eel Atlantique amongst the declarations. Good to see them letting everybody in for free after uh, last Sunday's uh, unfortunate events, David. Yeah, that's right. I, I think listening to uh, the NLD on Monday, uh, Lydia said that not only was there free admission for Friday, but I think there was a flexi ticket, wasn't there? That if you can't, if you can't go on a Friday, then uh, you will be able to uh, go back to Nace when you can. Um, yeah, of course, it was it was unfortunate. Uh, the hopefully the the fog will have lifted by now, and it's good also that you know we saw this as a a, a very informative race with regard to the Cheltenham Festival. Um, Gordon Elliott said last weekend that it would certainly be instructive to him in choosing the uh, festival target for Firefox. And obviously, if one of the two, uh, either he or Il Atlantique, hadn't uh, been there for the, the rescheduled version, then obviously that would be disappointing. So it's great that they're both turning up. All right. And just remind us about this Luke McJanet case, which most of us will have forgotten about because it dates back to June 2020. So in the absolute peak of the of the first covid yes this is in progress as we speak uh a, a an independent disciplinary panel is considering whether the former licensed trainer luke mcjanet is in breach of basically passing on information in respect of how act of magic would perform in the persimmon the persimmon homes at Appleyard Fleckney handicap stakes at Leicester on the 30th of June 2020 as you say that was um that was not far uh, not long after the return of racing after the the 74 day was it um hiatus um whether this was uh, passed on uh, encouraging Mr Matthew Lawson to bet on the horse in contravention of the rules uh, and also uh, the same with respect to Mr. Ivor Collier. So, as they say in uh, the tradition of court reporting, the case continues. Okay, David, back in a moment with a tip. But first of all, off to Hong Kong this week and the croc, J.A. McGrath. Nick, it never ceases to amaze the multitude of international strands that you managed to pull together on this podcast. And this time on the Hong Kong beat, we do our bit to uphold that reputation for global coverage. It comes in today's feature, the Group 3 January Cup over nine furlongs on a tough eight-race card at Happy Valley. The January Cup is the Valley's only group race all season. The rest are run at Cha Tin. The international strands? Well, it centres around a five-year-old Argentinian-bred gelding called La City Blanche. Trained by Hong Kong legend Tony Cruz and ridden by the jockey they call the Mauritian Marvel, Karis Teton. 
adding more layers of internationalism, La City Blanche won the Grade 1 Grand Premier Jockey Club at San Isidro before being snapped up for Hong Kong. He's a son of Cityscape, who we remember giving James Doyle his first Group 1 winner in the Dubai Duty Free on World Cup night. And he's out of a mare by Nadawi, a Doncaster St. Ledger winner for Godolphin and Sayed bin Sarua. How's that for an international spread? This is an intriguing Group 3 race which has brought together a wide range of talent at various stages of their progression. And remember, it's a handicap. Now, La City Blanche is weighted on 8 stone 3, the minimum, and he can take full advantage of this, being up there all the way from gate 1 for Karis Teton. But there are dangers. Helene Feeling is a, an emerging talent, trained by Danny Sharm and ridden by Vincent Ho. He's favourite at the moment, and he'll go very close as well. And also, don't forget number 9, Happy Together, who is putting together a good sequence as well for Frankie Law and Alex Hibadel. So, an intriguing January Cup, plenty of chances and plenty of interest. That's race 6, number 11, La City Blanche, to beat number 7, Helene Feeling, and number 9, Happy Together. Take them in multiples and in a tote swinger. Keep an eye out in the final race for, for race 8, number 9, Healthy Healthy, for Alexi Bedell and Pierre mm, who's running away with the trainer's title at the moment. He's well clear of the pack, and this could be another very, very uh, noted winner for Pierre mm. So race 8, number 9, Healthy Healthy, to beat number 4, Co-Partner Ambition. That's all on the Hong Kong Beat this week. I'll have more for you next week. All right. Thank you to Jim. Thank you to all my guests today. David Yates with me with a tip. We're going to the opener at Kempton Park this afternoon, 425 race, and it's number 10 Maverick style. Wore the blinkers for the first time when scoring at Chelmsford City four days before Christmas, but was also trying seven furlongs for the first time. There's a modest rise of three pounds to deal with here, but I hope that that won't stop the Paul and Oliver Cole trainee and Rob Hornby from going in again. 425 race at Kempton Park today. Selection is number 10, Maverick style. Excellent. David, thank you very much. Thank you very much for, for listening. That was Wednesday, January the 10th. I just want to be a bit more like Victor Thompson. Goodbye. <laughs> You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association, and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Mm-hmm.